biggest question about zoonotic transmission I get asked is actually about the vaccine. In terms of administering the vaccine, are they safe and are their clients safe? Because obviously the Bordetella vaccine is live and particularly if you're giving it intranasally, it will aerosolize and can potentially infect people around. Welcome to the Vet Times podcast, a concise weekly topical clinical podcast from the people behind Veterinary Times. CIRD complex, historically termed kennel cough, is a relatively common primary care practice presentation. Jenny Stavisky, Assistant Professor in Shelter Medicine at the University of Nottingham School of Veterinary Medicine and Science, discusses prevalence, presentation and prevention in this Vet Times podcast. How are things, Jenny? Are you good? Uh, yeah, appropriately enough. I'm, I've got an upper respiratory disease at the moment, although not coronavirus. Right. Hasten to us. Okay. So, uh, so you're feeling okay generally? Yes, thank you. Yeah, good. Okay. So, kennel cough. It's been retermed CIRD or contagious cough, I think, is the term that you referred to in a recent article for Vet Times. Why the change in terminology? I think a lot of people um, find kennel cough is really useful. It's a good shorthand, and we all know what we mean by kennel cough, but it's also a bit misleading because it gives the impression that it only happens to dogs that go in kennels, and we know that whilst kenneled and close contact situations are good places for this disease to be transmitted, that any dog can get at any time. Um, CIRD, Canine Infectious Respiratory Disease Complex, is much more accurate, but it's also a bit of a mouthful. Um, So contagious cough hopefully covers both sort of literally what it is and also isn't too much of a mouthful. What are we sort of seeing in terms of the prevalence? Is it something that we're seeing more of? And how does it manifest? It's a really good question what the prevalence is. We don't really know what the prevalence or the incidence are. We know from the SAVSMET data that just under 1% of dog consultations are for respiratory disease. We know that most of them are cough and we know that most of them are likely to be infectious. But actually, it's probable that it's more seasonal and it fluctuates a bit more. So I think in the spring and the autumn, anecdotally, we see more. Um, And in the summer, for example, we see less. So it's not a a flat presentation throughout the year, I think. Right. Is it quite virulent? Does it spread quite easily? Contagious cough can spread quite easily. It depends because, as the name implies, it's a complex. So there can be a number of pathogens involved. Some of them are more contagious. Some of them are more able to spread by fomites, for example. So it really depends what you've got going on. But I think most of us clinicians in practice will see it from time to time in the general population of patients. And I know that every dog that's walked in that park will come come in coughing for a while. Any dog that's visited such and such a kennel will come in coughing for a while. So it's in fits and starts, and it depends on the underlying pathogen as well as environmental factors. So I'm guessing there's quite a lot of diagnostic and treatment challenges for vets. And if so, what would you say they are? So there are a number of challenges. I think that the classic kennel cough that we all think of, the contagious cough, is often self-limiting. And it presents in that classical way a harsh, hacking, upper respiratory disease with an animal that's otherwise systemically quite well. Um, It's fairly straightforward. You can make a presumptive diagnosis and most animals will resolve without any treatment or with some non-steroidals, some symptomatic treatment. Um, I think the more difficult cases that we see are either when the clinical presentation doesn't fit the classical pattern or when you have an outbreak and it's not immediately obvious what the cause of it is. And one of the challenges can be even if you swab these dogs, often there's a number of pathogens involved and trying to figure out which is the instigating one and which is the thing you really need to address can sometimes be quite difficult. There are a number of treatment options available and then there's been a lot of product innovation and research in this area, would you say? In terms of treatments, most animals will respond to non-steroidals. Um, some of them will like box dilators. Some of them you steam them. Some of them you can try things like bromhexine. 
if you're going to give them antibacterials, then really you want to be doing a culture and sensitivity. Um, if you're going to use something empirically, potentiated amoxicillin or doxycycline are probably your first port of call if you think it's bacterial. Um, in general, that you know that's relatively straightforward. It's more severe cases that can be more tricky. So if you're going to be doing bronchial olivide, you're still going to be doing a culture and sensitivity really there. Yes. Uh, in terms of product innovation, I guess maybe we're thinking about vaccines. Yes. Um, we're quite fortunate. We have a really good selection of vaccines. So we have intranasal vaccines for Bordetella, intranasal vaccines for Bordetella and Parainfluenza, and now a transmucosal oral vaccine. So there's a good suite of products to choose from, assuming that Bordetella and Parainfluenza are your pathogens that are involved in your outbreak or your cases. Of course. Uh, in terms of zoonotic transmission, is this a cause for concern as well? So zoonotic transmission is something we often discuss. First and foremost, canine respiratory coronavirus, which is important in contagious cough, has never been documented to uh, transmit to humans. So I think that's really important to state in today's climate. Yes, of Um, course, yes. (laughs) The two pathogens that we really think about as being potentially zoonotic are strep equi, which there has at least been one zoonotic transmission published that occurred in a veterinary nurse who was handling a dog, and also Bordetella bronchoseptica. And again, we know there have been zoonotic cases. They're uncommon, but they can be very serious and even life-threatening. They've typically occurred in people who have quite severe immunosuppression, so cystic fibrosis patients, transplant patients, for example. But they are serious. They have occurred from both dogs and cats because obviously both dogs and cats can be affected with Bordetella bronchoseptica, so that's important to bear in mind. The biggest question about zoonotic transmission I get asked is actually about the vaccine. Right, okay. And that's what most people want to know about in terms of administering the vaccine. Are they safe and are their clients safe? Because obviously... The Bordetella vaccine is live, and particularly if you're giving it intranasally, it will aerosolize and can potentially infect people around. And obviously, post-vaccination, many of the vaccines will say in the data sheet that the animals can shed post-vaccine for up to six weeks. Dogs post-natural infection of Bordetella can shed up to 12 weeks, so clearly the vaccine does carry a risk, but less than natural infection. Right. What I would say, if you're giving Bordetella vaccines it's probably worth having some kind of information for your clients in your waiting room to say, if you have a disease that affects your immune system, please come and chat with us. Mm-hmm. I think asking each client is fine on a case-by-case basis, but we ask them about Bordetella, but then do we ask about Salmonella or Campylobacter or other diseases? So I think generally having a notice up is a good idea. Sure, of course. In terms of staff, most people worry about pregnancy. I've never yet found a zoonotic case of Bordetella in pregnancy which doesn't mean you shouldn't be cautious. And obviously, any pregnant staff member should do exactly what is right for them and for their baby. But there haven't been any documented cases as yet. And actually, in this country, all pregnant women receive a live Bordetella vaccine anyway to prevent the newborn infant from whooping cough. Yes. So it's likely that it's safe for pregnancy, but equally, nobody should be made to do anything they're uncomfortable with as a pregnant practitioner. Sure. So just have it in mind and take the usual precautions, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's brilliant. Thank you so much, Jenny, for joining us on Back Times podcast. Some great information there. And thank you so much for also having written for us for the article. Pleasure. That's it for Vet Times podcast this time. Thanks to our guest. If you like what you've heard, tell your friends and leave us a review on iTunes. But for now, thanks for listening. See you next time.